Thank you, Caesar. Has school started for you or are you in the summer? Summer. School's out for summer. Is that a Christian song? It's like a jukebox up here. I want this summer for us to be a summer to shift and to recalibrate. Recalibrate just means to redirect and correct uh, uh, what is not wrong necessarily on purpose, but necessary to be most effective. So for your vehicle, for instance, everything you care about, you maintain. That's why you don't wait until you have a problem with your marriage to work on your marriage. You maintain your marriage because you don't want a problem in your marriage. All the ladies say amen. So in your life, it's imperative to recalibrate on a consistent basis so that our thought processes are in line with God's word. For instance, your vehicle, every so often, you have to have your vehicle, uh, you have to have the, the, the tires aligned on the vehicle so that whenever your steering wheel is pointed straight, you are actually going straight. Because if you do not have your vehicle aligned and you have everything pointed in the same direction, you end up wearing parts of your vehicle out before the parts of your vehicle should have worn out. I've done it uh, several times. We drive big vehicles, suburban-sized vehicles, and, and they have a bad habit of just eating tires. And But the problem is, is if you do not have your tires aligned, you end up having uh, uh, uneven wear. On your tire, which means you can go through life and you can be uh, pressing towards the mark for the prize and you can have the steering wheel right there in the center and you can be posted up on 10 and 2 and doing everything you can, but you're just worn out for some reason. You have uneven wear. You, 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 you walk into a situation and somebody says something and it hurts you so much more than it should have hurt you in one particular area. Another area of your life is looking great. But you've got this uneven road wear that has been produced not because you're not trying to uh, keep it in the middle of the road but because you, you need to recalibrate and make sure everything is pointing in the right direction. So this summer, I want to get us all on track and get uh, completely recalibrated. And one of the primary ways that we have to do that, matter of fact, the primary way that we do that is we find out what the Word of God says about our situation and then we recalibrate our thought process to be in line with what God's Word says. Amen. There are three options when it comes to the Bible, generally speaking. And we all fall into one category uh, or the other. Number one, you know nothing about the Bible. 
I'll never forget when I was at a Christian fundraiser one time and I'm sitting there talking to this man and he was going through a real hard time with his marriage and he was asking me questions and he was he's just like, I just don't know what to do and you know, I just got to figure this out and whatever. And I said, well, I said, you remember Daniel had to go through the lines then before he got the miracle of being delivered from the lines. He looked at me like, who is Daniel? And I thought, whoa, brother. I said, well, well, what if I said Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to you? And I'd have just, it would have been no different. I said Ronald McDonald. He had no idea who I was talking to. And if you don't know who Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, that's okay too. We'll teach you all along the way. Uh, but what I'm trying to tell you is if you don't know what the Bible says, it's not necessarily an adverse thing. Uh, it's, it's not an adverse starting point, but bless God, it needs to be a starting point. It needs to be, now I'm going to fill myself up with what the Word of God says, but there's people out there and they know nothing about the Scripture. Nothing. And, and, and when, when from the generation that I grew up in, it was less common to not know Bible stories than it is today. Nowadays, you can go to school and, and you can start talking about Jonah and the whale and literally, I would say 40 to 50% of the young people don't know who you're talking about. Which is a very, it's a very sad thing, but at the other side of it, it gives us an overwhelming opportunity because as a pastor, I can tell you, it's a lot easier to put in good doctrine than it is to pry out old doctrine. Which brings me to number two. There are people that know enough to be dangerous. They know enough to give you a quick answer. Almost every drunk on a bar stool knows John 3.16. They know enough to throw it back in your face as if it's a trap. I'll never forget there was a couple uh, uh, we knew years ago, and they were taking advantage of some people. They were, uh, how, how do you call it? They were moochers. They were, they were, they, they'd hit different families up for money. Uh, and things, and then when, when that family would dry up, they'd go to the next family, and they'd hit them up for money and things, and they would just, just, just literally like a parasite, you know? And, and literally, it became this thing, and I re- I'll never forget, uh, we were talking one time, uh, this is before we found out all this, we were talking one time uh, with the husband and the wife, Crystal and me, uh, and, and when we did, uh, I said something about, you know, I said, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is, 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 is strengthening the church and just doing such strong things. It was years and years ago. It wasn't here. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is just doing such good things and, and so on and so forth. And, and this lady, she just said to me, she goes, oh, you don't want to mess with me with my Bible. And I'm like, well, I didn't think I was messing with anybody. I'm just talking about, you know, I love the Lord. And she goes, well, look, I know the Scripture, so nobody can use the Scripture on me. And I said, well, I'm not... We're eating tacos, you know. I'm just talking about God is good, you know. That's all I'm saying. But literally, she knew enough of the Bible to knee-jerk a swift jab with it. Uh, it's the same with the Church of Latter-day Saints. 
uh, Mormons. There's a lot of, uh, most Mormons are wonderful people. Uh, I believe they, they truly love God and, and try to love God. Uh, but there is a deep-seated root in the Mormon church that is anti, uh, it's anti-Jesus. It, it, is, it is not teaching the Jesus of our Bible. And the Apostle Paul said, uh, I fear that you would deal, deal well with people that present a new gospel or a separate gospel. So when they said the Book of Mormon is another uh, gospel or a continuation of the gospel, that goes directly in contrast uh, with the Apostle uh, John who got the, the, the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ at the Isle of Patmos whenever he talked about this is the end. The Bible is literally called the apocalypse or the end, the revelation. So when there's a new gospel added, we have to be very cautious and we have to reject a new gospel, but listen to me, if you go talking to one of the young Mormon missionaries who is loaded for bear, they've got enough scripture on the inside of them to hit you in the mouth anything you want to say, which means you need the spirit of God. You need to not only have the, have to be filled with the Word of God, but you need wisdom. You need the Word of God. Same thing with Jehovah's Witness, which uh, one of the things they hang their hat on is that there's really no hell. Well, Jesus talked more about hell than he did heaven. Is Jesus wrong? These guys, they, they have a, they have a, a, a the, the guys and gals, they have a, 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 just enough scripture to be dangerous with it. You know, you want to minister to somebody and, and you, you know, you, you, you say, well, I just take a stand. I don't drink alcohol. And, and all of a sudden, you know, immediately they're hitting you in the, now they're, they, they had not one time in their life darkened the door of a church. They had not one time in their life are they doing anything that shows that they love God or otherwise, but they want to hit you in the mouth with a little wine for the belly is what Paul said. They know just enough, just enough to be dangerous with it. For instance, the woman at the, uh, at the well that Jesus uh, came to in Samaria, when he got to her, he began to talk to her. And, and, and he, said, he, said, he said, listen, he said, give me something to drink. And he, she said, well, uh, you shouldn't be asking me because, you know, whatever. And he goes, well, look, he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for some water and I would give you some water uh, that, you wouldn't, that you would never get thirsty again. I'd give you living water. And she goes on to say, and he kind of references a few things about worship. And she goes, oh. Oh, so are you better than our father Jacob? Which is to say she was throwing a couple scriptures back in the face of God as if she somehow had it figured out. One of the, one of the keys to Christianity is humility. One of the keys to Christianity is living under the guise that you do not have it all figured out, that you do not have all the answers, but there is a book that has all the answers and you choose to put your faith in that book. But there's people out there, like the woman at the well, that their life shows nothing. It, it, there is no fruit to their life. They're not living for God. They're not pursuing God. They might not even be born again. I don't know. But they know just enough Scripture to be combative with you. Never read the Bible to pick up arguments. Never study the Word to try to find a way to combat something. No, just let the Word do what it does. The Word never returns void. The Word always comes back productive. You learn the Bible. You study the Bible. You meditate on the Bible. But you don't meditate and study on the Bible so that you can throw it in the face of somebody else. That's not what it was used for. 
The situation in Orlando a few weeks ago when they went and uh, uh, shot up, when the, the, the Muslim terrorists went and shot up uh, uh, a gay nightclub. There were Christians out there, Christians, who said, oh, this was, a, this was a good thing because they were in a place of sin. I said, have you lost your mind? They just killed the people we're trying to get saved. They just killed people that Jesus died for. You don't use the Bible to be combative. You use the Bible to mend fences. You use the Bible to build bridges. Number three, you find yourself in this situation. You know everything there is to know. You couldn't know more. If you're like Saul before he became the Apostle Paul, you are the Pharisee of Pharisees. You can quote more scripture than everybody that you've ever heard preach from a platform. You know the Bible so well and so strong that you don't have any questions that you do not have the knee-jerk answer to. Let me just tell you something. If you don't have questions, I wonder if you've met the one who has the answers. I'll never forget when, when, when I met Crystal. You see, she lived about a hundred miles from me. And when I met her, it changed my life completely. And I began to pursue her. And uh, in the old timey sense of the word, I began to court her, which means all the other suitors that were buzzing around uh, like, like, like uh, bees or whatever, I ran them off violently, not literally violently, but violently. I wasn't going to play games because I had serious intentions uh, with this woman. If it was caveman days, I would have clubbed her over the head and drug her back to my cave. That's how serious I was about this woman. So I see her and I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm overwhelmed. And, and so I began to learn about her. I began to find out where does she live? I called uh, somebody who would know where she lives and I got her exact address. And uh, then I wanted to know, well, where does she work? And I found out where she worked. And then I wanted to find out, you know, where does she like to eat? And what kind of Starbucks does she like? And I'm just now realizing while I'm talking, I was a stalker. That's a revelation. I didn't even know that. <laughs> but I, I want to know everything about her. Do you like the beach? Do you not like the beach? What kind of food do you like? Pepperoni or cheese pizza? Well, what do you like? I wanted to know everything about her. But here was the situation. I got to know everything about her. But I didn't get to know her without spending time with her. You can know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. But that doesn't mean you know the author. The only way to know him is to spend time with him. And you and me have to get to the place where we recalibrate what we think about him. Because if you believe that God made you sick, then it's hard to believe that God wants to heal you. 
If you believe that God has made you poor, then it's hard to believe that God wants to bless you. If you believe that God wants to condemn you, then it's hard to believe that God wants to forgive you. Proverbs 23 and 7 says this, As a man thinketh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The word heart there is literally the word uh, soul, your mind, your will, your emotion, your inner life, the, the part of you that is intangible yet exists, the part of you that you can't cut with a knife, the part of you that hurts more than anything you can feel physically. As a man thinketh uh, uh, so in his heart, so is he. Thinketh is a very interesting word. It's the word uh, sha'ar, which we don't see very often uh, in today's terminology. But it's it's not just the word think. It's more like the word. Uh, it's more like a, a reference to a gatekeeper. It's a reference to what you allow in. So if, if I could, just for a moment, Matthew and Luke, come up here for me. You guys come stand on this side. You guys give these guys a hand. They've been best friends for. A hundred million years. Come stand on this side, guys. Thanks. Y'all both look very sharp today. So, as a man thinks in his soul, in his heart, in his mind, so is he. So, if we're going to live the life that God has called us to live, then we are going to need to think what God has enabled and empowered us to think. Now, here to my right, uh, we have Matthew and, and Luke. And uh, if we can find a Mark and a John, we'd have all four of the Gospels here, which would be awesome. But I'm going to call uh, uh, Matthew, no, I'm going to call Luke faith. I'm going to call Luke hope. I'm not going to call Luke love just because. <laughs> but the situation in your life is it depends on what you think as to what you are. It depends on what you meditate on as to what you become. So literally, you've got uh, faith and hope here sitting here. Or actually, faith is your first name, hope is your last name. So, And we'll put L as your middle name because I'm not going to call you love. we got faith, L, hope right here. And then over here, we have fear, doubt, and unbelief, obviously. Your job as a Christian is to think what you want to be because as a man thinks, so is he. So literally, you are the gatekeeper of your mind. So if we were reading that verse, uh, the way it was originally written, it would say, what a man or a woman allows to enter into their state of thinking and mentality is what they will in fact become. So you are the gatekeeper of your soul. You're sitting here and up walks faith and hope and knocks on the door and you've got an opportunity 
opportunity, knock on the door, brother. There it is. You have an opportunity to determine whether or not you are going to allow faith and hope to stand at the door and knock or if you're going to open the door and say, come on in, faith and love. Have a seat right over here. I'm so glad you came to be with us today. So, faith, hope, and love. Excuse me, you're not love. I forgot. Faith and hope. How's everything going? Wonderful. Well, here's the situation. You know, I'm going through some issues. I have some situation. I, I, I just got word that they're laying some people off, and I don't know uh, what that means, and it, it's kind of giving me some hesitation, and I don't know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to provide for my family. And you're having this conversation with faith in your mind, and then faith says to you, well, it's fine because God supplies your needs according to his riches and glory. And you just sit and you have a complete conversation with faith and hope and everything that you come in contact with and everything that you deal with is now predicated upon what you have been meditating on. I'm talking about rolling around. I'm talking about murmuring. I'm talking about uh, uh, speaking the word of God over every situation. I'm talking about what you keep in contact with your life and it all came down to who you decided to let into the conversation. Go back to the other side, please, brother. Now, same situation. I've got, a, I've got an issue at work. I don't know how I'm going to make a living. Everything's going crazy. I don't understand it. The boss says they got to lay some people off. I work harder than everybody. They shouldn't lay me off, but I make the most money. So if they have to, if they have to save some money, I'm a pretty good target. What am I going to do? And all of a sudden, knock, 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 here comes fear, doubt, and unbelief. Same story. Same song, but, but you sit down now and you're having dinner and you're going, oh man, this is the best Pizza Hut stuffed crust pizza I've ever had in my life. I'm so glad we have it. And all of a sudden, fear speaks up and says, you can't afford that. You decide you're going to go visit your family uh, uh, in, in Austin and all of a sudden, uh, doubt comes up and says, you know, if you spend that money, you're never going to have enough gas money again. You're never going to make it. Don't you remember what the boss man said? It'll never happen. And then you get to the place where you're having a conversation with your adversary about what you should or shouldn't be doing when the reality is, is the conversation didn't start here. The conversation when you, the gatekeeper, allowed what should not be in your conversation in your conversation. You guys give them a hand as they go down. Good job, hope and love and faith and fear and doubt and unbelief. Work on that, Matthew. You're the gatekeeper of your life. What you think on is what you will believe. What you meditate on is what you will gravitate to. You can't be letting all these doubts of fear and unbelief and all this other stuff creep in unawares. The Bible says in Isaiah 26 that he will keep it perfect peace, him whose mind is stayed on thee. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have problems. It just means that you're going to have victory when you keep your mind focused on what your mind should be focused on. So you're going through life and you hear that little voice telling you you're not going to make it, telling you you're not going to have a baby, telling you there's going to be problems, telling you you're not going to be able to graduate, telling you you're always going to be in death. You've got the choice as to whether or not you, the gatekeeper, the Sha'ar, whether or not you're going to allow doubt and unbelief to come in, sit down and conversate, or if you're just going to choose faith in the, first, in the face of adversity. 
But we've got to be at the place where we recalibrate our thinking. And the only way to recalibrate and adjust our thinking is to line up what we think with God's Word. And if you don't remember anything else today, there was a disciple, the Bible says, who Jesus loved, who he trusted to take care of his mom and trusted with powerful revelations. And in 3 John 2, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, he said, brethren, above all things, I wish that you would prosper and be in health. Just as your soul prospers. Because that's an all-encompassing word. Do you know how long the Bible would be if it actually said, I pray that you do well when you work at McDonald's. And I pray that you do well when you work at Burger King. And I pray that you do well when you work at Wendy's. And I pray that you do well when you work at the university. And I pray that you do well when you work at the dealership. And I pray that you do well. How long would the Bible be if he had to be specific about every little thing? So he takes a blanket... And he throws it over every situation you could come in contact with. And he says, here's what I want for every situation, for everything that you might come in contact with. I want you to prosper. And that would be great if it was just that he wanted to bless us. But he said, and be in health. While... Your soul, which is a mouthful, because he's saying, while your mind, your will, that's your fortitude, that's what you're directing towards, and your emotions prosper. I don't just want you to prosper. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes rich and adds no sorrow. I don't want you to just prosper. I want your mind, your will, and emotions to not have sorrow. You say, well, how do I get over? I lost a loved one. Heaven's not a penalty. You and your whole house will be saved. But we have to recalibrate. We have to shift our thinking. We can't can't let doubt and unbelief. I know that sounds real spiritual, but listen, that means we can't let worry about whether or not we're going to be able to pay our bills affect whether or not we're going to believe God and tithe. That means we can't let the doctor's report uh, affect whether or not we're going to believe God that he's our healer. That means we can't uh, let what, what, what our kids are doing affect the fact that we know that we're raising them in the fear and admonition of God and when they get old, they will not depart from it in Jesus' name. But we have to recalibrate. We, we have to refocus. We have to get back to the basics. What does He want for our life? Prosperity and health. Why would He want that? Because He's a good Father. There's no parent in humanity that would want their child sick 
No, they take people like that and they throw them in prison or they throw them in the insane asylum because it's child abuse to think that somebody would want their child to be sick. How much more so does our Father in heaven want you and me to live healed? We have to recalibrate our thinking because what we think on is what we are. So if I think I'm sick all day, but if I think on the healing virtue of God, when the symptom arises again, and I think on who He is and what He's been to me, when the issue shows up again in my finances, And I choose to believe that He supplies my needs according to His riches and glory. Now I begin to become what I'm thinking on. And everything begins to shift. Stand to your feet. I'm going to close with this. In the Bible, there are times when we see things very specific. And those are great. For instance, uh, tithing is one of them. It's very specific, easy to follow. There are uh, times when we see things that are a little bit more vague or hard to put our hands on. Meaning, we'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field. What kind of field? Like a hay field? Like a wheat field? I don't get it. In the city, which city? Could you be a little bit more specific? Because if he means that we'll only be blessed in Jerusalem, then we all need to get on a plane. That's not what he's saying. It's just a little bit more vague. So what we do is we look for the example that Christ set. So if you want to know what God is like, Jesus said, if you know me, you know my dad. So if you want to know what God is like, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you see what Jesus did. The Bible says He went about doing good. You see what Jesus did, and then you see the example, and then you know that's what God is like. And in at least four recollections of everything that Jesus did, He never one time... Never one time, not one time in four Gospels, not one time in four men's recollection under the power of the Holy Spirit, not one time made one of his followers poor. On the contrary, more than once, he took the fishermen that followed him and nearly sank their boats and broke their nets with all the fish that he blessed them with. So if you have a business, if you have a contract, if you have a job, you believe God that He is going to sink your boat with fishes. You believe God that He's going to break your nets with fishes. There was another time where they ran out of wine at a big party. And, and I don't want to do the math for you. I've got it all worked out. But between six and 900 bottles of wine in today's wine bottle size, which I had to Google, Six to nine hundred bottles of wine. That's like the entire selection at Kroger. 
Another time, a little boy brought just a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish, and Jesus sent him off with 12 baskets full to take to his mama. So we have to look at life through the lens of the Scripture to recalibrate our thinking because what we think on is what we will be. And if we don't have a specific uh, 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 command in the Bible, which there are plenty, but if we can't think of one, we can remember the examples. There was a lady that took the most valuable thing that she had poured it all over him very special oil and we still talk about her today which is to say this Jesus took what she did and made her famous for all eternity all he wants to do is bless you he does not want you to do less than he wants you to do more than. He does not want you to live under. He wants you to live over. He does not want you to live in poverty. He wants you to live in prosperity. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have life more abundant. But it is the power of believing that activates the miraculous in your life. If you've ever believed somehow that God did not want to bless you, wash it out of your mind. You say, how do I wash it out of my mind? The Bible says, cleansed by the washing of the Word. He said, I want you to prosper. And be in health. And while that's happening, I want your mind, your emotions, I want those in good standing too. Give God a hand of praise.